My name is Ian. I can't tell you my last name, or where I live. But honestly, I'm just excited to be here. Welcome to Minds at Yerk. I'm Tim. My name is Alex. Oh shit, I'm Megan. <laughs> and I'm Ian. Well, I was going to say and. <laughs> See, you made Can all we... that fuss before we started about who says and. Listen. There's a fourth For... man in the room. <laughs> for anybody scoring at home, that's one swear word out of Meg. And we've been recording for like, I don't know, eight seconds. Damn. <laughs> Are you really going to count my swears tonight? Do I really need to keep an eye on this? I yeah, I think you should. I'm, I'm just going to go ping every time so that people at home can count. And then he'll invoice okay. you afterward. <laughs> For those playing the Minds at York drinking game, have fun. All right. So we're going to start today with my 10 building questions. And then we'll get into the meat of the podcast. All right. So we'll start with Meg. Oh, no. Okay. What's the most ridiculous fact you know? Facetious has every vowel in the, in the correct order. It, correct order. Facetiously has all of them in the correct order. That's actually, yeah. That is my favorite fact. Yeah, I know. I was about to say, you've told me that one before, so that was solid. <laughs> all right. Ian. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Hmm. It depends on what you're doing with the chickens to try to kill the elephant. <laughs> if we're using the chickens as like pure projectiles, then we only have to care about their mass. <laughs> um, but if we if we're like if we're letting the live chickens try to like attack an elephant on their own, it would probably take a heck of a lot more. Uh, so I'm gonna split the difference and say seventy five. <laughs> All right, that is now law because I don't have anything to dispute it. So, what? Seventy-five chickens to kill an elephant. Now, I, I want to, I want to visit Newton's second law here. If momentum <laughs> equals mass times velocity, do we know how much momentum is required? Because it may not simply be a function of how much the chicken, how much mass the chicken has. We could just shoot it faster at the elephant. Right. Yeah. 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 You could probably do this with a minimal amount of chicken mass. Also, also, like if if you manage to manipulate the chicken mass ahead of time so that it's like harder or denser, you know, uh, it's it would probably work a little bit better as a as a bullet, essentially. Also, if you send it <laughs> but, beak first and not ass first. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Before Tim claims first. it. Chicken <laughs> mass is now my official Dang it. Twitter oh, name. You still, I knew you, it was coming. You did. You stole it from me. I did. I did. Chicken mass is my favorite religious observance leading up to Christmas. <laughs> what do we? What do we? What is the the ritual at chicken mass? You show up. You eat a hell of a lot of chicken. You go home. I mean, damn! I'm, guys, I'm, there's I'm a whole song thing. about this. Oh, you know the chicken dance. The <laughs> 
I was really waiting to hear how you were going to work Chicken Mess into a popular <laughs> song title. Into WAP. If you're going to do it, into WAP. Sorry, there's no other acceptance here. Is there a mashup of the Chicken Dance and WAP on the internet? There must be somewhere. Given that there is now a 1920s version of the WAP, yes. Is it doo-wop styled? No, maybe I'm thinking 1950s. I don't know. I've heard so many great ones. My favorite one that gets stuck in my head still is the Celine Dion one. I like the one that mashes it and Toxic up together. There is a new one that I love. I just, I gotta get off TikTok. <laughs> so bad. All right, Alex, yes. your question. <sighs> when freshly harvested, this item contains about 80% water and 20% dry matter, and about 60 to 80% of that dry matter is starch. I'm going to say potato. Oh, you'd be right. I was going to say a human body. <laughs> Probably mine at this point. <laughs> Yours is mostly starch at the moment. What have you been eating? <laughs> Potatoes. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something that I told my, my roommate the other day, who every time we step outside finds it hilarious. But there are these leaves that are on the ground, the thin leaves. I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And at first glance, when I stepped outside the door the other day, I went, fuck, who destroyed a potato truck who destroyed the fries truck Bing. and then <laughs> shortly after i went leaves mag leaves and so every time we stepped outside it's like look at all the french fries <laughs> <laughs> like you just stepped into this happy miracle french fry land <laughs> i just was like who drives a french fry truck that exploded in front of my apartment grimace yeah, I also oh like God. I like the concept that French fries are shipped just loose in a container. Potato wedges. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't convince me that those are like done in house. Oh yeah, there's I, no way. I'm sure they're not, but I also don't think they just like shovel them into a truck and carry them on. Yes, they do. I understand that you guys bag them at night. I get it. <laughs> that is part is, of the job. This is what you I do. You cut up fruit <laughs> and you bag potatoes or fries. You see, cement trucks are, in fact, a government conspiracy. Cement sorry, doesn't exist. Those trucks actually transport potato products. That you have to rotate? Yes. That's how you get the season so evenly dispersed on. Uh, okay. <laughs> Shit, that's so good. All right, so we read a book this week. It was called The Elemist Chronicles. Wait, we have a new guest. We have yeah, a question you, we you, asked. You, you guess. It's just been a while since we've had a new guest. We do have a new guest. <laughs> it is a new guest that we are quite familiar with, so, you know, but our listeners are not. A little overly familiar with us. <laughs> well, All right. What you three do in your own group chat? I don't need to know. <laughs> we have joining us today, Ian, of the Second Opinion podcast. That's one of them. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> go job. ahead, and Tim. No, hold on. I've got it. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Nexus. Ne no, 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 it's not Nexus. That's the network name. Yeah, oh, that's the network that name. All right, Tim. If you exist There's an acronym for it. If you exist oh. in in a space with depth, width, and height, and you what? add time, what is time relative to the first three things I named? The the next dimension. I'm so close. That's so clear. close. That's way closer than I was expecting you to get. I know. I was like, it's the dimension. It's the something dimension. It's not the fourth dimension. It's the... The three are mandatory. You might call the fourth one an 
extra dimension. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Ian, tell our listeners, how <laughs> did you get into Animorphs? I, um, I was in elementary school, and I, I don't remember how I first came across the series, but uh, in like third grade, fourth grade, you know, I was, I was reading them, um, and I would get like, you know, a whole stack of them out of the library uh, <laughs> every week and, and, you know, just like pour through them. Um, at one point, I remember that I was like very consistently reading one of them every school day uh, and to my great shame as an adult, I can't even read one of these things in the two weeks that, you know, in between your episodes. <laughs> but you did. I did. Well, yeah, this time, uh, since I had a deadline of you're going to be on this episode, Ian, and uh, you've got three weeks to, <laughs> I, I had two deadlines, right? I had to read it before this episode. And I also had to read it before the library needed it back, uh, which is like tomorrow. <laughs> Which you did. Congratulations. I did. I finished it. It definitely helped that I had a long weekend uh, in a cabin in the woods with my wife to just like, just sit and read. And it was fantastic. That does sound fantastic. All right. So we'll do a recap real quick of the Elements Chronicles. I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be professional. What the First fuck time for on? everything. There's yeah. three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I not bang? I missed that one. You missed okay. two of them. <laughs> Did I really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, at least we're caught up now. So what is that, four? Four. Okay. My favorite thing about this game is that, like, when Meg came and guested on my show a few weeks ago, I forgot to tell her that it's marked as not explicit. <laughs> and so during, <laughs> during editing, I was, like, inserting bleeps and stuff, and I was going, man, there's a lot so of these. Sorry. <laughs> I am so, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed. All right, so the recap. Tuman gambles on the Pango bands and loses to Redfar. Who the fuck are these people? Well, if you listen to the recap, we'll okay. get to it. Okay. Also, ding. Just diving in. <laughs> You're not supposed to ding. He's supposed to remember this. Don't help him. I'm doing the recap. He has to pick it up while I'm doing the recap. Okay. Tuman gets selected for a spaceship mission because of his neighbor, Lakava which is the best name ever. The home crystal of Tuman is attacked by the Capacins. The spaceship is only able to escape because Tuman killed one of the Capacins. Tuman and Lakava commandeer a small Capacin craft and take out the larger one, but four more ships appear and destroy the last crystal, the last crystal on Ket. They apparently came because a Ketran named Minnow broadcast the game through Z-Space. Second Life. The Ketrans go to a watery moon to look for a new home. Tuman takes an away team to the surface to check something out. When everyone dies and he is assimilated to a monstrous and cruel entity that forever makes him play games. Third Life. Elemist. The Alter, it, alter ego of Tuman kills and flees the monstrous creature. The Elemist becomes a cyborg ship and tries to help life survive. It doesn't always work. The Elemist encounters an evil opposite called the Cryak. They do battle until the Elemist is swallowed by a black hole. End game. <laughs> Sorry. The Cryak becomes <laughs> immortal 
like the Elemist, and they start one final game. We're in the end game now. What did it cost you, Cryak? Everything. Uh, no way that right. makes it past the noise gate. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think so? Nope. <laughs> All right. So this book was a bit of a departure from the rest of the series. Not to be confused <laughs> with the book, The Departure. Which yes. was the last one that I read. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we dig into it, I have a question primarily for Ian. Mm-hmm. On a scale of 1 to 10, I mean, everyone can chime in, but I want Ian's answer first. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good is the term face-face? Oh, it's so good. I have... <laughs> That's one of the the things that I that I wrote down here is that like I love all of the idioms that Applegate came up with for this like alien society. Um, yeah, trying to tease some face face from a strange female like that's that sounds like a good time. Yeah, <laughs> ten out of ten. The one was moans for me. Ah uh, yes, just drenched in people's <laughs> moans. Moans, yeah. But how how can you not talk about how lack of a, for like a grumpy old guy, is not just the best name, like like that was his just little bitter shot when they were like yeah you got to come up with a name and he's like yeah whatever lack of a and just walked off. <laughs> it feels very much like something you would do. Maybe 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 it's like the 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 Ketrel equivalent of staring down a cyclops, and when asked what your name is, responding nobody. Or no man. <laughs> well, I, I did really love the line that like, oh yeah, my name, my chosen name is Tuman. Why? I don't know. It sounds good. Like, that's the only reason you need to have a chosen name. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> you know, at one point there was a TV project spinoff about him called Two and a Half Men. No, no, no. That one's not making the cut. <laughs> oh, damn it. Meg's no. editing this week. <laughs> no, that one was bad. Don't blame me. Blame Charlie Sheen. So what do we think of this book? I dug it. It's like Ready Player One, but good. I was thinking Ender's Game. I liked Ready Player One. I did too. Yeah, it did have a very Ender's Game feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it felt like... um Applegate and Grant being like, fuck you, Orson Scott Card. <laughs> Your idea is flawed. The appropriate response. Well, I I kept waiting for that to be the bit. You know, that, that it, he was playing these games and that at some point he would find out that they were not games. And I was like, wait, that's yeah. already another book, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a Stargate episode like that. <laughs> there is that too, I yeah. guess. <laughs> There's that's, a Mark Russell my... comic like that. <laughs> <laughs> my uh yeah my my interface with a lot of the science fiction world is just like oh yeah they used that trope on stargate one time <laughs> <laughs> so i i have to say though i really do like this book it for that reason is that this thing takes some buck wild turns and like every time you think okay i got it figured out okay minnow's <laughs> gonna turn into the cry wait what hold on we're we're underwater and we're held by a you know a giant Assimilating monster. Uh, a, okay, a giant yeah. Lovecraftian beast. Yeah, essentially. yeah, yeah. And maybe that's why I don't love this as much because I hit where he finally gets 
rid of father and i'm like there's not a ton of this left yeah who the fuck is cryak and i don't feel like there is an emotional investment in this fight with cryak because 75 percent of this book is like leading up to that and it's not like you are my best friend from childhood or something like that someone else from his life like all this book leaves me with is going how the fuck did cryak to get get to this point well it was just the universe balancing itself right (laughs) is it is it that's what i thought that it was like he his existence is the result of the elements existence then like so free will is not a thing i mean on like a micro level right I don't know. I mean, that there's a lot. It, Sorry, go ahead, Ian. If 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 they were going to introduce anything into this series, uh, to like along the lines of, oh, the universe is this like entity that needs to be in balance or whatever, <clears throat> like this would have been the the book to explicitly do that in. And we and we didn't, you know, like we get to the end game. The Elmist is in this this out, you know outside of space and time where he can see everything, and it's this big tapestry, and he can manipulate everything, and and he gives us no uh indication that there's like some higher thing than that than there you know that that he's having to deal with restrictions that are being put on him by some other entity um so i yeah i i guess, i mean cryak just seems to be a random like oh it happens to be that there's this other guy who's a planet i mean i kept thinking of the 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 arch nemesis in quantum leap that's where i went to but like <laughs> I might need an explanation on that, but that's okay, we'll we'll, we'll talk about leap in like twenty five years. Yeah, it's probably guess, neither as anybody else, but the arch nemesis in Quantum Leap is Gushy, right? I don't. I thought Gushy was the. Is that a computer. name or a descriptor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's perfectly valid and reasonable to say yeah there's not a whole lot of investment in the relationship between the no, two. No, that's true. That's very true. I. Personally, I'm totally fine with just the idea that, okay, yeah, law of large numbers, there are a few entities across the universe who have pulled off being a giant floating Borg ball, (laughs) and some asshole from the next solar system, or next galaxy over has come over to be a dick. Well, and and to Meg's point, right when we got to Endgame, I remember having the thought that the description of the Elemist at that point did not match what the Elemist was doing in the books and thinking, there's not a lot of book left. I don't know if maybe these people, I don't know, maybe there's some more stuff going to happen in a later book or something. That's right, Tim. There's the secret Elemist Chronicles 2 that we have (laughs) hidden from you. I mean, but no, to Tim's point, like, it feels like this book started out as like, shit, we should do a spinoff series, like the Elemist versus the Cryak. That would have been a great series. I mean, I think most of us would have read that. But you don't have creation stories, which is exactly what this is. Like, if you want to equate these to gods, which I think that is a valid equation, you have your creation god. There has to be more than just, and this random guy popped up and he's all like, um, I know who you are. You don't know who I am. And I'm just going to destroy your stuff. That's not how this works. No. That's not how gods work. Yeah. That's the- not how creation stories work. At the point when he's like figuring out how to escape Don't from father, no, that's, um, that's not how gods work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I like Sorry, like there was there was literally a line in the in the book where he was like, "Yeah, I've managed to take over exactly half of like the the conscious beings here on the, on Father's Moon." And and at that point me having read this already, I read this one this one when I was a kid, and I thought to myself, "Oh, yeah, right. Father's the one like they kind of split in half and then yeah. they become the ones duking it out, right?" Yep. And then he just like blows up the the moon and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, wait." <laughs> I mean, Who's he fighting later then? That makes more sense. <laughs> it does make more sense. I, it does track better. I, will be I honestly thought Kryak was Lakava. There was a point in this while reading it where I was like, wait, does he build this whole like Death Star body and then decide he wants to split himself off and like his machine body becomes the Kryak and his flesh body that he spins off from becomes the Elemist? And then they started to do that. I'm like, oh, well, no, but they've introduced the Kryak already. Damn it. Yeah, like, it, I think that would have been a better twist for him to realize, like, it's like the cryat comes up and everything, and then it's like, oh, I'm battling myself. That would have been really cool. I, all I can think of, I kept going back to book 41, where we debate whether or not Jake was in an alternate reality or dreaming, and there was a voice at the end that we, I think, all established that was not the Elemist or the cryat or the droid. Drone. What is it? Droid? Droid. Droid? Thank you. These are not the and... droids you're looking for. All I can think of is, like, we've established these big intergalactic creatures, and it's kind of like, I mean, I appreciate getting this story of how the Elemis came to be, that the Elemis is nothing but kind of like a weird fuck-up in some ways. Like, He's a gamer. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of a gamer becoming the savior of the universe because this is all before gamergate and all that <laughs> stuff like i'm all on board for this i mean this was before gamer culture was like you know yeah. what it is today so i really like the idea of like a brilliant loser becoming like the you know i mean i love chuck but all i could think of reading this was like this does not satisfy much of anything and theoretically it's a story that's being told to someone who's dying there is something a little refreshing about not necessarily just pegging yourself into those tropes, though. Like, True. reading it and, and sitting there and just, like, deciding in the beginning of the book that Minnow is the cryak, and it's like, okay, I'm done, I can put this book down. And then turning it... I mean, I get what you're saying, that it would have been nice to know where the cryak came from, but it is kind of neat to read these books and realize that they're not just going to give you what you would expect. I, I completely agree. That, yeah. I think that's one of the things I love about this. I guess I just, for two beings to be duking it out so much across the universe, I want to feel the stakes. And I don't feel... Like the emotional that, stakes. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to understand why the Animorphs got pulled into this. Why, theoretically, someone is dying for this game. And I just don't quite feel like that emotional impact is brought to the table. I, I agree, except for the fact that we did find out that Tobias is the Elemist's <laughs> heir. Now, we don't know that. Hold on. I ugh, it, well, Okay, you're right. I mean, I guess it's not explicitly said. It is but plausible. But I feel like it, you got to give me more than plausible. <laughs> This is like the closest thing I've been to guessing one right ever, if I can find the proof that I guessed it right. 
Did you see what I put on Twitter? I did see what you okay. put on Twitter. And I, I will I will double that cookie <laughs> to anybody who can point out that I might have. I mean, I guess in the same way that there's probably one Neanderthal that we can all point to and be like, yeah, sure. We're all related to them. I just had to assume that that was why that was baked in there. Yeah. Also, he yeah. invented thought speech. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, can somebody explain to me what a Ketran looks like? Yes. Because I was having a hard time picturing this. So, vaguely humanoid shape. Okay. Instead of feet, they have pods, which I'm assuming are, like, more fleshy than feet with toes or whatever. But they can they be also very have... nicely formed. Yes. But they also have talons that they can use to grip onto their their spurs They're, or whatever for yeah. docking yes yeah <laughs> um we also learned two plus four plus four plus two yes <laughs> they have two legs four arms four wings and two eyes i think it's uh i think it's four eyes but uh two arms it's no, there's definitely more than two arms because there is a comment when they become uh, an Andalite about only having two arms. And now having four eyes. Yes, they were impressed by the stock eyes. I'm, 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 I'm going to agree with Ian just to split the field on this <laughs> argument. I think it'll be really fun. Well, you are <laughs> I was hoping we could get so you don't get a vote. <laughs> I was hoping we could get four different variations of what that 2442 thing meant. Look, 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 or 1 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1? <laughs> um, and they live in crystals. They live on, they live on oh, crystals. On, right? And that was the Whatever. other thing that it was. So they all live outside this crystal yes. and, and fly to keep it afloat. Yes. Right? And, but the ship... They sort of did something similar to, but there was an area they could go inside the ship. The ship, no. Mm. The ship was wasn't, okay. So let me, let me, let me. There was like a there single like a, emergency yeah, right? control room yeah. that was inside, yeah. but otherwise they lived outside on their docking yes. stations, just like they would. Okay, and there was yeah, a was, force field around all those docking right. stations, and that became we, kind of important when, like, they encountered the spaceships from the Caspasians. Caspasians. Kaspersky, whatever. Capsaicin. Uh, <laughs> who, um, like... What, did you say Capsaicin? I did. That's <laughs> how I read it every from, time. That's how I read it every time, too, and I've been fighting not saying it. Also, okay, tu- Tumen? Turmeric? I don't know. Is there something there? <laughs> <laughs> there is now. Um, but yeah, like, like they encountered this spaceship from this other species, and they're like, oh my god, it's like, it's this enclosed space. I can't go in there because I can't see the sky. And, um... Like, like that's that's the other thing that I loved about that first section of the book was that like, like Applegate thought through very thoroughly not just like oh they don't like enclosed spaces but also like they don't like seeing dead bodies at all they don't like corpses because in their world yeah, it's com- it. it's completely normal for a dead body to just fall off of the crystal into the lava fields below mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about them so like these like cultural artifacts as a result of the natural world that we lit grew up grow up in is like ooh, i love that world building yeah the the world building in this is i think amazing at least yeah, in book that, one. Uh, i don't was think it? you can fault either of them like every chronicles we've read has been a very distinct different planet yeah and it's wonderful 
And and didn't that make you think of Andalites when they were talking about the enclosed spaces too? Uh, the enclosed spaces and the bit of moral superiority and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does it does make sense to me though because at one yep. point, Elamist says that yeah, like I will admit I have a cultural bias for winged creatures. This this is why he shows up to Tobias in the middle of the night and gives him the power to morph again. Because they're both buds who can fly. They're wingmen. Oh. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that I just honestly kept thinking the entire book was, I wonder what that would look like. Man, I hope we get a Chris Grind Elemis Chronicles graphic <laughs> novel. I really want to see this visually. Chris Grine is now crying as he listens to me. <laughs> no, no, oh no. The whole battle between 2,400 ships and the Cryak. Ugh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, drawing that would be hell. Yeah. <laughs> um... There is a moment early on in this. One of the things we have not really talked about uh, about the Ketrel world is basically they have local intranets on each crystal, and, and they have memes. When yeah, they 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 mim they communicate they mim at each I, other. I, I, I read it as meme every time. I, every single not even just me. The Google no. Playbook read it as meme. Every I, I took it as being short for Mimo, but okay. Nope. You <laughs> yeah. were wrong. They were funny pictures with little <laughs> jokes inside them. Yep. Um, Just like we communicate now. I mean, Abigail I'll allow was it. so ahead of her time. But there is a bit where uh, where the Elamist, where, where Tumen, like, unplugs for the first time and he talks about how like peaceful it is to suddenly yeah. not have this onslaught of digital information coming at you and i'm like yes yes give it to me i want all of it <laughs> i know several people you're alex included who have like intentionally stepped taken a step back from social media in recent years and yeah that description sounded spot on to what i've heard from those people yeah like I I briefly lived in Australia, and this was like I think this was before I was even on Twitter at all. But like just having that distance from getting phone calls all the time, from having as constant stream of communication available twenty four seven to like really having to plan when I'm going to communicate with people and email and write to people more. I do sometimes miss that a little bit just because it does let me be a little more intentional and also just turn the noise off. All I know is that you've limited your social media and that means that I have to carry one of my phones on me because now we text and I can't be like, oh, I have my iPhone on me. Nope. I have to go find my Android in the house because I'm not doing it for my watch, which just means I respond a little slower. That's all. And then, of course, the games they play are also built into this this network. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really can't believe that this is not just, like, a direct, like, response to Ender's Game, which came out probably 10, 15 years before. But the reaction that I had, because I love Ender's Game. I love that series. It's one of my favorites from childhood. And I think every note I took before I realized that the games are actually games 
was in some way related to Ender's Game. So I haven't I haven't read or watched Ender's Game at all. Uh, like, can I get so a high in, level? Like, what are the comparisons yeah. that we're making here? So Ender's Game is about, um, well, it's about Ender who's a kid, but he goes off to essentially military school, and to part of their training is that they play these games, war games. Yes. Okay. And but they're not all necessarily war, but they're all different versions of games. And then, spoiler alert for Ender's Game, which came out in, like, the 1980s, um, they come to find out that these games are actually not all games. Like, they get into a big room and play with a bunch of them, and they're, like, essentially showing their strategy in a game, and it turns out they were actually fighting the war, not playing a game. So, yeah. Which colors a lot of, like, how a lot of these people live after um, the war is done. So it's essentially like the, a situation that the Capacens thought the Ketrans were doing. Yes. From the communications that they got in this in the Elemis Chronicles. Yes. Yeah. Which man, what have we sent to space? <laughs> that's all I could think of too. Was like, shit. Did we put like a placer card beforehand? Swear to God, we're not like actually killing people. I'm sorry. I, I think that that is exactly what uh, what Applegate wanted you to think about. <laughs> I, I do wonder if we sent something into space at this time. Like, I know we are constantly with satellites and stuff, but, like, I th- I know that, or at least maybe I'm making this up in my head, but I feel like it, as a kid there was, like, a moment where, like, we're sending this TV show into space. I mean, the Voyager has, like, you know, a specific yeah. plate with a record on it and everything that, yeah. that was loaded on board. Yeah, I want to say there was something in, like, 98, 99... That was, and maybe it was Voyager. I forget when, when space things happened, but I remember like in social studies in the fifth grade. Did I do that right? Yes. Uh, like a conversation about, or maybe a contest in schools nationwide to like get something put yeah. in there. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not making this up. Good. That or also, it's a collective delusion, like QAnon. Was- do you remember, it's it's one of your favorite books, Meg, a book called Contact. Oh my god. I believe Do you know that I was... took a picture of this and I look at this book every time I go into Second and Charles that hasn't been sold of Contact. Contact that sits on the side. Near where the Sigler books are, that's why I have to see it every time because I go look to see if they have more Sigler books. But Please I, tell I, me about Contact. I believe that was part of it was that they received a transmission and, and sent it back. That was that was part of the the, the I'm deal. I'm glad system. you remember this book because I don't fucking remember a word of it. <laughs> There's an episode of Futurama where the denizens of Omicron Persier eight attack because in the year two thousand well 1999, Fry accidentally interrupted a broadcast of Ally McBeal, and <laughs> a thousand years later, their signal was cut off, so they came to Earth demanding the season finale of Ally McBeal. <laughs> oh, bud. So we did get a response on Twitter. So I owe Chris Grind a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> no. T- <laughs> Tim swears up and down that he made this prediction in the last few months. Chris Grind says it is book 13. <laughs> Would that be the one where Tobias is given the ability to morph again? Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, in fact it is. Yes. So maybe it's because they're bird buddies. <laughs> so... When I'm recording these episodes, time slows down. So it feels like it was the... No. Tim enters the Matrix. (laughs) 
Book 13. Book 13. Man, that was a called shot from a long time ago then. Also, Chris, we owe you multiple cookies now. (laughs) So, I want to point out, early in the book, my favorite loose thread. And a conspiracy theory around it. After Tuman finds out that he will be a non-necessary crew on the... uh, The MC. The EMC. (laughs) The MC Escher. He gets a mem on the Meme! (laughs) A mem popped up. An invitation (laughs) to a game from a gamer named Dryhad. I refused. This was not the time for a game. Now, did anyone else, or this may have just been me, spend a lot of the rest of this bit going, who is Dryhad? This is very important. Right? See, Uh here we go. So here is my my theory. The Cryak has been at this longer, and the Cryak engineered the Capesan attack. Shit. And... That mim was an meme. attempt to distract mims and gifs. They are mims and gifs. <laughs> meme and gifs. Oh my god! I can't believe that I'm 100 percent on Alex's side here. <laughs> Welcome to the dork side. Um, what if this was was Krayak's attempt to distract the Elemist from ever becoming the Elemist? Get him to stay on the planet. And die at the hands of the Capucins. So you think that Dryhead was actually future Cryak, who had already gone in the black hole to achieve the time messing with powers? I, I think he was Cryak in present day, not a future Cryak. I think I think the Cryak was already meddling at this point. But you you think he knew he was going to become the Elemist? I think he was playing a game. I like the I like the the idea that Dryhead was Cryak in some form of another. And Dryhead and Cryak have like a similar. Okay, yeah. you're reaching there, but I do like phonies. this <laughs> Yeah, I also, like that. The Drode. I just like now. I just need a Cryak book. That's all. There's like four other books that I need. The Cryak's book is one of them. So so this loose thread brings up another loose thread that I thought of at the end of the book. Which was like, so the the Elmist has fallen into the trap. Most of his, you know, fleet went into the black hole. Part of his fleet's, you know, yada yada. He pops into this space that's outside of space and time. Um, and for a long time, he doesn't do anything because he's like, he doesn't want to clue in Cryak that, that he is still alive and that he has these powers. Um but then, you know, he he intervenes to save the Earth. And, like, the next thing that we know narratively is that Cryak has figured out how to get into this space. Now, my, like, me thinking about it, I'm like, but Elemist, why wasn't the very first thing that you did to reveal your presence in this space? Why didn't you just, like, pull on some threads way back in time over in Cryak's galaxy to make sure that he never became paradoxes a, yeah. a, a powerful entity like th- that would have been who has taught me every reason why you don't do this but like like the elemist is clearly not 
against like you know pulling on a few threads to like make some changes and then ripple effects and whatever whatever um the only thing that seems to be holding him back like by the time the animorph series you know starts up is the rules of the game the end game that he and cryak are now playing well also mutually assured destruction well it sounds like they can't actually destroy each other in that in that world anymore but, but if you if you mess with the cryax earlier threads then since you had such a big interaction with him you were thereby messing with your own threads mm. and that's where you run into problems well and i, I does I, causality I existed <laughs> but also, like, the elemis doesn't destroy and that is a way of destroying and the elemis doesn't destroy he is the god mm. of creation mm. that's a, think, okay that's a good point causality must exist because the Elemist had to create a different life for Tobias when he plucked Elfanger back out of Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean I mean, does causality exist for the Elemist and Cryak once they're in that space? Like can, can you even uh, destroy either of them uh, by eliminating their earlier life? Yeah, once you're outside of time, does it matter anymore? That's an interesting question. Can the Cryak make a stone so heavy that even he can't destroy it? Is that like is that a Greek mythology reference? It's a philosophical question. Can God okay. make a rock so heavy even he can't lift it? Mm. Now I'm I, yeah. Hold on, this has got my brain going now. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours later. <laughs> It's still Thanks just me sitting up. here staring at the ceiling. Thanks for catching us up, Alex. <laughs> it's been a long two hours. But back to I'm just I'm just gonna let Tim percolate for a minute. Yeah, yeah. When I'm I hear be him, here a while. when I hear him whistle, I'll take him off the pot. Um, <laughs> Jesus, it'll be next time that Meg swears. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to be really good. Why? You're trying to be. Why I've been the to be fuck? Really fucking good. You're doing a yeah. great fucking job. <laughs> All three of you. I love you guys. <laughs> um, on the subject of Andalite Chronicles, I do like that we sort of get the explanation for the out-of-time place that Elfinger is pulled into. In this, it's the same area that the Elemist inhabits. Because he's pulled into this void and he sees he talks about seeing these six... These five threads stretch back, uh-huh. and then a sixth join them. That sixth being Axe. So, like, I like that we get that callback in this moment. I like that there is some precedent for, and clearly he can do the 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 Illumis can do some amount of like time travel manipulation because he put Elfanger back earlier than he pulled him out. I don't think yeah. that's a, a, that's something that we're doubting. Yeah, like considering everything that he's gained i mean he fucking survives a a black hole oh that's fair i'm also i'm a big sucker for the whole like a tapestry as a metaphor for like space and time i love that i love that visual being used all about that greek fate shit yeah (laughs) i do love the fates did we all just picture the fates from hercules yes (laughs) i went to the the loom from wanted Oh, also yeah. good. Curve yeah, the bullet wanted. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm disappointed in me too. <laughs> oh, but see, I'm watching his Dark Materials right now. Man, James McAvoy is so hot. How is that? Other than hot? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> cool. We just finished episode four. Literally finished episode four. Poured a new drink and came upstairs to record. I need to watch that still. It's very, his very his Dark good. Materials, a, a noted steamy book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but when you make Lord Asriel, James McAvoy, and all, I mean, seriously, my roommate, the entire first episode was just me going, fuck, James McAvoy is hot. Like, I'm sorry, but he is. I'm really just in it for Lin-Manuel Miranda. And not in a he's hot kind of way. It was great. Oh, we had moments. Lin-Manuel Miranda with a a mustache. It's good. It's good. (laughs) Now that I've reminded myself who James McAvoy is, yes, I'm 100% with you here, Meg. <laughs> he's Atonement? A, I mean, he's a, he's so a looker. Many. Yeah. Young Patrick Stewart. Yes. Who would you have play the Elemist and Crowley? Oh, I was going back and forth on uh, casting, like, a lot in this book. I feel like those are the big two, and then Father would be someone's voice. I like, like James, James Earl Spader. Jones. That also really is good. Orson Welles, if he wasn't. I feel like know. James Earl Jones has, uh, you know, a little Orson too Wells much Wells. like riding on him. A too much, too much like recognition as a different. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe. That's true. He is Mufasa. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> he is father. <laughs> I mean, Darth Vader just means dark father. Yeah, yeah. Um, the what was his lack of a. The entire time, I had a Tommy Lee Jones from Captain America vibe to him. Interesting. But yeah. isn't he supposed to be I the same like age old. as Elemist? Yeah. Maybe. But that's how I read it. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think that's good, but I think it is a little too old. Oh, he's old 42, which was, that was a good reference. <laughs> yeah. So is it Tommy Lee Jones in No Country for Old Men? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like him, but it'd have to be like, there yeah, somebody, ago. yeah, somebody younger. Yeah, I am I think, so shocked. None of us actually thought of this like beforehand. I mean, as much as we cast shit. No, I did. Um, uh, Zendaya was Aguela because I thought the Elemis should be somebody younger. Oh, so and not I, because we were talking about Zendaya earlier today. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's how <laughs> it got in my brain. But, but good choice. Yeah, it is a good choice. I do love her. Yeah. We we do see like the Elemist at different points in his life, you know, from when he's like this equivalent oh, of like a twenty oh. year old who's yeah. figuring out himself. So Denzel Washington's son, who I'm totally blanking on his first name, and then you have Denzel Washington play the Elemist. <laughs> Tenet. Oh, that was Denzel Washington's son. Yes, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh. I want to say George, but I feel like that's so wrong. So I'm going to go back to an old goof from our Discord server and stand by it. I think the Krayak should, should in fact be Oscar Isaac. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I can't deny that. John David Washington. Anthony Hopkins. He'd be good for the father. Yeah. Yeah. Some fava beans and a nice Chianti. (laughs) What about uh, number five? Do you think that's too young for for young Elemist? Do you think it should be older than that? Yeah, like five being. Like what age are we thinking? 
I mean, I like that. I do love that actor. Mm -hmm. In human terms, like 18, 19, like I figure around there. Okay. Like they're willing to put him on a spaceship. So I've got to imagine of, of cultural adulthood. Also was thinking number four at the same time, man, that was really beating my head. I, I kept thinking of the Elemists, like, I, I kept being reminded of my younger brother, who, like, f- flunked out of college a couple of times because he was too p- busy playing video games and board games <laughs> and stuff. And, like, you know, he's, like, really freaking smart and, you know, absolutely deserves the engineering degree that he's going for. But, like, <laughs> it took him a while to actually focus. And, and, and while the Elemist was talking about, like, okay, like... I got, like, of course, it it only took, like, two chapters for us to get to this point for the Elemist, where he's like, I need to, like, really start, (laughs) start, like, caring about important things and not do all this gaming. And I was like, yeah, it it only took my brother, like, 20 years of his life to get to that point. (laughs) So as soon as you put it that way, I went to, oh, fuck, what's his name? Pacey, Peter Bishop. See, I went Zachary Levi, but of early Chuck days before he gets super fit. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, the entire time I was sitting here going, yeah, this reminds me of Chuck. I would also accept John Noble as father. Oh, that's pretty Oh, solid. that is good, yeah. Yeah. That one's good. Joshua Jackson. That's his name. Yeah, that was... Oh, Pacey, okay. Yeah, that was plaguing me a little bit. So... Dawson's Creek. Since... Since... We learn in this book that, like, Elemist is literally just his, like, screen name... Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that he yeah. that he chose for himself, and and it has stuck with him over millennia, and he is now a, a an extra dimensional being known by his old screen name. <laughs> this um, may be why I use my actual name I, as my I username would like, on everything. <laughs> I would like to to get a, a feel for the room here, like the four of us. What would your awful early screen name <laughs> that that sticks around oh. with you as you become a god? It is still my Twitter name. It's Remo Beware. Yeah. I have because, Oh, is that how that's pronounced? Yeah, because it was the it was as if Remo Williams, the classic Fred Ward movie, and Coco Beware, classic 80s wrestler, had a baby, you would end up with me. Incidentally, the <laughs> surest measure of time is once a year Tim has to explain this on the podcast. <laughs> and what's great is I think I've heard this at least six times. I never remember it, and it's great every time. <laughs> but no, so, like, for, for real, I have always just used my name as my screen mm. name. Yeah, well, you're that's boring. I yes, like, I, I am. Boring. You are not boring. I saw the pivot there. You were right the first time. No, especially you were not when ta- boring. No, when talking about teenage, middle school, high school, Alex, I absolutely was boring. We have established I am Benjamin Buttoning it. <laughs> so, when I was young, uh, I had moved to Denver, so roughly twelve. Um. I went to some gaming, like, or computer convention or something. I don't know. My, my stepdad's a huge Mac fan. So, like, I went to these things and I don't know. And they had, like, this booth display or something of Quake, one of the new Quake that was coming out. And I played on it for while well, they were looking at something else. And The new Quake, Quake 2000. <laughs> I mean, this was roughly around that time, so probably sure. That's not actually the name of it. But um, I got... 
I played under the username Lizzie212 without the I. So L-Z-Z-Y-212. And I used that, honestly, until the point that I was like, I should start using things with my name. So there are still things on the internet with that username that I got from a Quake game. So that would be me. My very first uh, RuneScape account was THX1138. Because I I had recently learned that the number 1138 that comes up many, many, many times in the Star Wars series was a reference to an older George Lucas movie called THX 1138, which I still have not watched. Oh, I have a copy of it. But yeah, I am getting, I'm getting, I have a copy of it on hold at the library right now, and I'm going to be picking it up in the next couple of days. Yeah. (laughs) Very excited. His grad school film project. Yeah, it was something like that. It was very early on. It was, it, it was the very first like feature film that he, that was put in theaters that he made. Yeah. Other than that, I have Wolf Revo, which I do still use for, like, most of my gaming-related identity things. Yeah, at this point, it's just become my name. It's the word overflow backwards. (laughs) Ah, okay. Um, It's it's your name, but with a random number of Gs. (laughs) Because (laughs) when... You roll a D4 and insert that many Gs. No, it's three Gs. It's only three Gs. Unless you were playing me. Like a really old phone. It's it's three Gs. Gs. (laughs) It's great. I've started playing Among Us as Visitor 3 just because it amuses the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) And someone posted something in the Animorphs Facebook group about like someone recognizing their username. And I was like, oh, hey, yeah, if you ever run into Visitor 3, that's me. Uh, Honestly, though, Visser Three would probably be the worst at Among Us because yes. he, he he jumps yeah. to conclusions and they're always wrong. Are there are there cats in Among Us? Because I also feel like no. he would get distracted by the cat. But there is a meme of a cat. Oh my god, I have to find it now. Or is a it meme? a meme? <laughs> no, this is a meme. Fuck all you guys. Hold on. Do we know any smart computer programmy people that could build us yes. this game that they play? In this book, because I want to play this game. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Yeah. It's called Spore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never I've never played Spore. Honestly, like, as he was describing this game, at, and I was like, Galactic Civilizations. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. We've got that. Yeah. And he was like, there's over, like, a million uh, scenarios in here. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that No Man's Sky has more planets than that. <laughs> like, these numbers are really low, dude. <laughs> Okay, so I have to I have to play Spore. Yeah, all, and, among and, like the other forty games you need to play. Yes, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll link can, you to some primo Spore content online. <laughs> Please Uh-oh. don't. That sounds terrible. No. Yeah. Um. Is it something that I can play against people? In a in a general sense that like you are populating a uni- a, a universe and maybe some other data ends up showing up on yours and murdering your whole race yeah i like the no i need to, i need to be able bro. to play meg i need to build my universe <laughs> my little civilization of people so that it goes and destroys it's it's not a Mix. pvp evolution sim i don't i just that's, would like to point that's out that what he I wants need. to destroy me <laughs> yes I, I, that's what i need i need something where we can play against each other and just kind of do little pokes at our civilization to try and get them agitated and go fight the other civilization. I really appreciated. I feel like the... you just summed up our entire relationship. <laughs> <laughs> 
the description that sh- that that was given in the book about like oh yeah like they were discussing like the game that they play and and he was like well you know maybe maybe like lack lack of us right maybe at some point the patterns will become too obvious and then like you know we'll all get bored with the game oh but by that time the game makers will have made like a new and improved game and i was like yeah uh-huh that's yeah. how the meta evolves like that's <laughs> <laughs> this is League how of legends this is how capitalism <laughs> emerges on cat there is a lot that happens here that i'm like mm, this is incredibly relatable still today <laughs> yes and that's I, and you know she was writing this before like patches and updates and things were like that was a part of video gaming yeah right <laughs> like you you had the n64 expansion pack but that was, I think, the closest it got. Maybe on PC gaming. I don't know. I've never been a PC gamer. Yeah, I mean, they, like, I think at, on PCs at the time, it was all, like, shareware. You, like, get mailed some CDs and then, you know. But, like, you couldn't just download and update the way that you can now. It was so much fun to go buy the PC gamer and then play the little shareware games that were on it. Mm-hmm. Good, good old days. So, Elamist is a member of the Ket species, the Ket race. What? Jera Hamies, yes, I thought about this. Spouse too. is named Ket Helpak. Is this a coincidence, Fuck. or on purpose? It has to be on purpose, right? No, not necessarily. <laughs> it could be just a really big coincidence, and they're like, "Fuck." We need another name. Right. I don't know. Just use Ket again. No, it, I it's mean, definitely. There's, there's something. There has to be because, like, given yeah. Endgame and everything, and putting all these chess pieces into play. Where did the the species that created the Hork Bajir come from? Are they some Elamist bullshit? I I don't think it's established that every single thing in the universe is is created by either the Elamist or Cryak because that's incredibly limited considering that there's someone who talks to Jake in book 41 that I think we all agreed on is not one of the two. And and since we got to see that the Pimalites were an Elemis creation, like you'd think that he would have mentioned other things that maybe, were maybe the Pimalites created the Hork Bajir. Or the I, race no. that created the Hork Bajir. I also no. have to I have to take a minute. We're gonna call them Pimalites from now on just because I kinda like that better. The Pimalites. Okay. <laughs> Pimalites. Pedialites. Pedialites. <laughs> I do not have Pedialyte in the house. I probably should get some. No, but I did think it was neat that he created the the Pimalites. And I looked at my puppies when I read that. I said, y'all were created by the Elemist. Y'all are Elemist bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, can I tell Who's a good Elemist bullshit? You are, you are. Tim's oh next dog is named Tuman. <laughs> Tim does not need more dogs. I do now, just so I can. <laughs> I think you can still change Fury's name. Yeah, there's still time. I mean, you can just, like, they can all have three different names, as <laughs> any good Ketron would. That's their, that's Charlie their like, has, gang. Like, seven. That's their gang name. The two men. The Elemis bullshit. <laughs> you said Charlie has seven? Yeah. We're not saying anything else until you list them all. <laughs> Charlie, Charles... Char- Charlie Bucket, Jose Cuervo. He did answer to penis for a while. <laughs> it's a very long fucking story. Goose and Squish. Follow up question: Tell the penis story. 
<laughs> I lived with someone who thought it would be hilarious to try to, while I was trying to train him to answer to Charlie, see if he would answer to penis instead. And for a while, he did answer to both. Is it weird that that's actually 100% what I would have guessed was the reason for that? <laughs> that I've always had douchebag guys in my life? Yes. Yes, in fact, that is true. Is it weird that there's a non-zero overlap between names that charlie answers to and names that i would answer to <laughs> let me guess jose cuervo <laughs> i'll never talk <laughs> whatever you say charlie bucket <laughs> yes also one day i informed him that he was named after charlie from twilight and he hid under the bed for a couple hours so <laughs> he does occasionally have identity crisis <laughs> Was there a Charlie in Twilight? Yeah, Bella's dad. The best character in the entire series. Really the Keith Mars of Twilight. <laughs> yes. Did anybody else find the sexual tension in the Ketrin <laughs> society to be, like, weirdly relatable? <laughs> I mean... I wish. <laughs> no comments? <laughs> More likely, I read it and thought, man, Ian's going to find this weirdly relatable. <laughs> Again, the first time I saw the phrase face face. It's yeah, like, yes, we got Ian on the right going, one. There was definitely a lot of going. We got Ian on for the best episode here. <laughs> he's, have, like, he's flying behind her and she's dropping them moans. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, shit. Hang on. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there because I need to read that entire passage. <laughs> okay. Because oh, no. this this passage, I read it and I went, Oh my god, this is almost a one-for-one -one description no. of several bike rides that I have been on. I thought you were going to say of my Grimace fanfic. I'm so uncomfortable on so many levels right now. I can stop if you want me to. No, you're fine. Read, read what you want. Aguela, being female, was faster than me, of course. But she restrained her impatience to allow me to keep up. I rode her wind, saying just behind her, this had the advantage of offering me a view that included both the amazing soon-to-be airfoil and Aguella herself. She had lovely pods. Moans! She was spreading the moans for me. For me? Surely not. Aguella could have any male she wanted. She was beautiful, well-formed, sturdy, intelligent, funny, beautiful, very beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> so I would like to offer three immediate responses to this. One, congratulations, Ian, you got the part. You are the Elemist. <laughs> Two, for context, the word moan is never used before this, and they take a little bit of time in making explicit what they mean by the moan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And three, guys, I think Adel Rafai is right. Some of this is really fucked up if you actually stop and think about it. <laughs> No, I it, I thought I mean, it was just me being me again when it's like way later in the book that I, oh, pheromones. I get it now. Mm -hmm. I, I'm very glad to hear that I wasn't well, the only okay. one who took a it long was, time. It was not way later. It was like two pages later, Tim. So you're still okay. on your, you're still on your own branch. It was later enough that I was like, damn it, I'm dumb. <laughs> As in you didn't figure it out? or and, Yeah, and no, it just took like, me a long time. Oh. I thought that was just. Like some made-up crap they were talking about. I mean, for, like, they've been 
up until then, they had been referencing several like body parts on the Ketrans that, you know, we are not familiar with directly, yeah. Yeah. but just like, you know, just talking about them as if they're normal. So that yeah, was I... my first thought, too. I was like, what body part is she spreading right now? <laughs> is it like her tail feathers? Or what? <laughs> Monet's? What's going on? <laughs> I do appreciate that instead of saying like, good Lord or Jesus Christ or anything like that, deep worm. Deep worm. Deep worm. Oh. Worms. Yeah, which is pretty pretty fantastic. In the grand scheme, look, if there is one like epithet that is perfect for a book about brain parasites, deep worms. <laughs> yep. Existentially, deep it is the perfect expletive. I loved it the first time I heard it, and then it immediately made me think of like worms burrowing into flesh, and I like trypophobia. I was just like, what? Started gagging. Yeah, I get that. Now I'm thinking about infected. We need to move on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When when the Elemist and Cryax first start, encounter each other and start playing games, you know, the very first scenario that Cryax, like, presents him with is the one where you've got three asteroids going towards three planets, right? And, you know, one of them is going to, the asteroid's going to blow up, it's going to be fine. But, like, you have to choose in order to, you know. And the Elemist immediately starts thinking about, like, okay, but, like, so he's expecting me to save the Laga because he knows that they're the ones that I would like the most. But, like, he would know that I would be knowing that he's knowing that. So I can't guess that. And, like, as I was reading that, the the only thing I could think was, like, so you bested my Spaniard. Which means you must have studied. <laughs> and in studying, you would have learned that Iocane powder comes from Australia, a country entirely populated by <laughs> criminals. Knowing that, you would have wanted to put the poison as far away from yourself as possible. So I can clearly not choose the wine in front of me. I feel like there's someone on this podcast that hasn't seen that. Tim? Uh, no, I absolutely have seen that many times. I thought Alex hadn't. Maybe I'm thinking there's someone in our Discord that has not seen this. Well, we got to fix that because that is like the best movie of all time. There was a, it was on the list for this reason. It's got to be Milena. It's got to be, but I didn't think it was her. Is it Robert? It's me. Oh, I was right. <laughs> I'm the <Wow>. imposter. <laughs> so Alex Sus. The incredible thing about that is that when I was writing my notes for this and I turned to Savannah and I was like, this is an amazing passage. Let me tell you about it. I'm definitely going to be bringing this up on the episode, but probably Alex is going to beat me to it. Or I'll be like mentioning this passage and it'll just tee him up to say the entire quote because I'm sure that he knows it. (laughs) My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. All right. So movie night soon. Yeah. Apparently Alex and I are not the same person. (laughs) Shockingly. That is good news. That is good news. (laughs) Two halves of the same coin. Alex is the other 50%. Please, we're uh, a D2. Yeah. <laughs> An <bad>. R2 D2. <laughs> All right. Anything else anybody wants to go over with this book before Yeah, we move the on? fucking prologue. Are you kidding me? Are we going to completely ignore the fucking prologue? And We've epilogue. already been talking for like an hour and 15 minutes. I don't it's give a, a shit. It's a 200-page Animorphs book. We can go over. Meg has to edit anyway. If she doesn't care, why should we? I'm sorry. Are we really going to pretend like the prologue just doesn't happen? No. I've been waiting for this fucking prologue okay, to talk about the tattoo that I want. You make such a big deal about this prologue. It's not the prologue I made the that's epilogue. important. 
The it's epilogue the, is the word I'm looking for here? Yes, the epilogue is the give one. give a shit. Both of them are important. <laughs> no. When I, when y'all read me that epilogue, I was like, eh, big deal. We read you the then prologue, the prologue. That's, oh, Okay, that's what I meant to say. Now she's got me all messed up. But when I read the it's epilogue after reading the book, I was like, you know, I think somebody might die. Oh, oh, you think so? Yeah, I think I think it may happen. <laughs> Would it I be the line about a small strand of space time went dark and coiled yeah. into nothingness? Yeah, it didn't have that same weight when you read me the prologue. The epilogue is. Well, we're not going to read you the epilogue first. Epilogue? Well, I'm I'm not actually sitting here telling you that you should read the epilogue. I'm just telling you why it didn't have that impact. Hey, who teared up reading the epilogue? Oh, I full on bald. Are you kidding me? No, I've I mean, read this so many times and I still was like, I need to take, I was hanging stuff in my bedroom and I was still like, I need to take a moment. I didn't. I definitely man. have to say that I'm, I'm glad that this book like leaves it open ended on who's dying because both when I read He's it dead. as a kid and also when I read it now, I still have never gotten to the end of the Animorphs series. <laughs> <Shit. laughs> I I got I I was probably like in the so early twenties. No, I I okay. got probably to the early twenties when I was a kid, and then I couldn't find the next one at the library, and I kind of forgot to you know keep looking for the series. But I did read the Elemis Chronicles because I was able to find that. Um, so we are comfortable establishing someone's going to die. I mean, I know, I know that much at least. Yeah, I. I, I'm waiting for Tim's confirmation here. I'm not comfortable establishing anything because this guy can change time. Well, while Tim refuses to acknowledge his emotions, I'm going to read the Binder's dog (laughs) passage. Okay, then answer this, Elamist. Did I? Did I make a difference? My life and my, my death. Was I worth it? Did my life really matter? Yes. You were brave. You were strong. You were good. You mattered. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay, then. A small strand of space-time went dark and coiled into nothingness. Isn't that weird, though? Like... As a thing, it's almost like not like a person dies, but almost like they never existed. No, no. the strand exists. All right, Tim. It just goes geometry. Dark. No, just the way that it. Why do y'all yell at me so much about it? Because <laughs> you are still. Oh, damn. Because uh, we want to get angry, was... angry DMs from Chris Grind. Tim, do I need to come down there and give you a hug? Uh, maybe. I don't know. The way I read the metaphor is that these strands stretch and exist. And eventually just kind of fray off, coil off. So the, the strand is still there. It just doesn't continue down the timeline. I'm doing gestures into my camera. Yeah, I kind of wish that this was a 3D movie. Yeah. I think, of okay, the fates in Hercules, I think, was a good metaphor. You cut the strand, it curls up. You stop the life, it curls up. Pull something hard when you cut it. Also, if a strand of fiber is really tightly wound, when you cut it, it does unspiral and spool because of the internal tension. Tell us more, Boy Scout. Um, a little bit Boy Scouts, a little more like day job in a fabric textile mm-hmm. industry. I'm hoping that you don't have any experience from like any of the cables in a theater space <laughs> coming apart. 
because that could be disastrous. Actually, there was this one time in high school back when I worked as like basically an assistant stage manager for the Nutcracker for a production that happened every year. Um, we were loading in and we had hung, we had started hanging our different drops. There was a fly system in the space and the stage manager and I are standing all the way downstage and like eight feet upstage of us, we hear this whoosh, whir, 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 thud where one of the pulleys in the fly system had snapped and the entire pole position mid-stage just came crashing down. Jeez. I mean, deep worms. Deep worms. <laughs> Who do you think it is, if it is anyone? Okay, so I think if somebody's going to beef it, they're going to beef it in their own book. So I think in order to be safe, I'm just going to assume that whoever the narrator is until somebody does beef it is going to be the one who beefs it. So every book we're going to ask, do you think every, every, every prediction segment, we're going to ask, do you think someone dies in this book? And you're going to say, yes, the narrator. Yes, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) So in this book, who do you think this character is? We're, we're on to Rachel now. Right? I'm not asking who's the narrator of the next book. I'm asking oh. who, based on the little bit of dialogue in this book, do you think it is? Oh. We're not to know, prediction it, time yet. It could be it could be Tobias. Because he seems like the most obvious one who would like question whether or not he had an impact on things. Does that make sense? I can see where you're coming from. I could also make the argument that he is and is aware of the fact that he is the son of a an alien prince who was plucked out of time by a space god. Yeah. But I feel like we could sit here and do that, though, for all of them. Who do like you reasons, think? Reasons okay. why they would be and reasons why they wouldn't. I mean, However, I absolutely can. Yeah, There is the... Elemis says, I did not cause you to be one of the six. You are, you were, a happy accident. That's what my mom says to me, too. But, I mean, he, <laughs> could, well. say that, he could say that to Tobias. He didn't directly cause it. So, I mean, it could be any one of them. Who do you think would be, like, the most emotionally impactful for, the, for us, the audience, to have die? Because as an that's author, a, they, you a... know... I would also have to stick with Tobias. Right? Well, no, maybe Marco. Maybe Marco because of the mom situation. Like, getting your family back. Like, fighting for 40 books to find your mom and then getting your mom back. And then, you know, beefing it right after. That would be that would be rough. I don't know. I mean, you could make arguments for everybody. You really could. Okay, we will quit torturing Tim now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm like preparing myself for it to happen now like i feel like somebody's gonna eat it but i i don't know you got a guy that can play with time i don't see how that could stick i don't know we'll see how it goes we'll see how it plays this game uh i had forgotten that there are sparkly letters on the cover it's not important but yeah there are look at that sparkly letters are always worth noting (laughs) 
Also, he basically never appears in the book in the form he is on the cover. And that bothered the crap out of me. Like, I flipped back many times to see, okay, this must be... When, I'm like, And then I finally was like, this must be how he looked the first time they saw him. That must have been the art that they went with. Yeah, I, I guess it's... That's what I've always assumed, is that it's more like how he appears to them. Yeah. I noticed that there were several, like, kind of sci-fi concepts that... Well, and, I mean not necessarily sci-fi but like futurism concepts that that made their way into this book but weren't like directly named uh that i found very interesting like when they were talking about like well we can't we can't use anti-gravity for our crystals to give everybody a whole bunch of free time because like what's that what is that going to do to society and it was like oh they're worried about post-scarcity and what would happen in a world where like people didn't have to do work that sounds like a familiar concept, Ian. Yeah. Hey, I've covered that on an episode of The Extra Dimension. <laughs> and also, like, when he became, like, you know, his, in, this was, uh, what, Third Life uh, before Endgame, when he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, more, way more machine now, more than, than, than like, a creature, um, which is, like, kind of a, a making a big case for transhumanism and, like, the concept that consciousness is like more about the continuity of self-aware data than it is about like the physical container for that data um because like his his consciousness exists and is continuous even after like his physical biological body is no longer like really running the show um which i thought was really cool what is it what is personhood and i think this this book was giving a pretty good like argument for for one model of that you know what i did think was strange though um is that when he created the andalite version of himself Mm -hmm. he said that he sort of like felt the andalite looking at the computer and he felt the computer looking at the andalite but then the andalite would have to come back and upload his memories and i was like why are you existing in two spots are you not are you separate like that, that i found that sort of confusing it it seems like the Andalite version of himself like would get kind of re assimilated into the rest of the system the same way that that all of those consciousnesses initially got, you know, incorporated into the Elemis being, right? Well, Where and he I, was just like copying data. I think it's important that we're hearing him tell this story after the fact. Oh, no, Therefore he would have reabsorbed that and would have that experience now from both sides we don't necessarily know that in that moment he actually 100 percent right before okay. reabsorption had that experience now that makes sense i did find it rather interesting to think about when he was talking about like making that other version of himself and how he was like basically making a spark notes version of himself you know because he was having to strip out a whole bunch of extras and like what what is my core being and i started thinking about like Okay, if I had to make like a sketch of Ian that only had, you know, a fraction of like the stuff that is in my current brain, what would I want to keep? What things do I value the most about myself? Um, and, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> so like the, the, the surface level obvious answers would be like, oh, biking and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> you know, okay, let's be honest, like that is not the most important thing in my life. It's like, you know, there are a lot of core values that I have that have like made like formed the basis for why i advocate for like 
cycling and active transportation and things like that. But like, you know, those are results of deeper values that I hold. And I think that's why, like, too, he talks about I I decided on the the younger version of myself, but I still kept the memories of all of these things so I'd have those experiences to draw on. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'd keep other than the Animorphs books. <laughs> dumpsters? You would need a yeah, working dumpsters. knowledge of dumpsters. This is true. This is true. Dogs? Dogs. Ghosts? Gotta know about ghosts. Green Lantern knowledge, but only that relating specifically to Hal Jordan prior to becoming Parallax? Boy, that was mm. a sentence. <laughs> I was waiting for Tim to agree with it, too. <laughs> I, there's a lot of stuff that happens after Parallax, too, though. Now, you have always said that the pre-Parallax stuff, or the pre... I guess pre... Not pre-Parallax, but the pre-Rebirth uh, stuff. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. That's the yes. line I should have drawn. From. Yes, yes, yes. This is true. Although the Grant Morrison stuff is really good. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you got for animal facts? A recent study, uh, I am looking at, by the way, an article on Gizmodo, filed to the category Soggy Rodents. <laughs> a recent study uh, published in Zoological Journal of the Linnaean Society describes two species of semi-aquatic mice. That's right. These are swimming mice. I thought they were adorable, and I wanted to talk about them. <laughs> Uh, they are in parts of the Congo Basin and western parts of Equatorial Africa, and they make a living by hunting insects and tadpoles while wading through shallow water. Biologist Tom Giarla from Siena College in New York did a deep dive into the genus of mouse known as Colomus, which translates to stilt mouse on account of their elongated feet. That's right, I found a way to bring rodents with with Salvador Dali feet into the conversation. <laughs> That's, I mean, this is not the deepest dive, honestly. They're kind of adorable mice with really, really, really long feet. Soggy Rodents is the name of my next band. <laughs> it's a Why good band name. I just Googled a picture. They do have really long feet. Their skull volumes are also huge relative to other African rodents. We think it's to support the mechanosensory system associated with their long whiskers, which they use to hunt aquatic animals like insect larvae and tadpoles. As far as I know, no other rodent hunts like Colomus, unless they walk through shallow water on their long feet with their whiskers draped over the surface of the water, waiting to pounce on anything that moves, he said, adding, they are oddballs. <laughs> <laughs> In my scientific opinion. <laughs> yes, as as a biologist, I have to say, they're freaky. <laughs> also, if we don't protect green space, they'll go extinct. Did we already do my prediction? I feel like we already did We have prediction. not done your prediction yet, but nice try. I feel like <laughs> we did enough of a prediction that this book is written by Rachel and Rachel Beefson. What Tim, number are you all on now? I think 40... 48. Eight, which I'm not certain, because they told me it gets messed up after 
one of the books, and I don't know if we've gotten to that part yet. We are at that part because we Dang, had, it literally got there two books ago. Yeah, because we had an axe book after. Oh, that was book. right. It was the one that messed it up. It wasn't like they just go wonky. I thought yeah. they got wonky. Uh, okay. All right. So good. Rachel book. Yes. Okay. Rachel beefs it. All right. Make some predictions about what happens in the book. Um, the book is called The Return. Yes. So somebody comes back, and Ooh. I have been trying to figure out people who left, and I don't remember her name, but Marco's stepmom left. Why would well, Marco's stepmom be in a Rachel book, though? Also, she didn't know. leave. Marco and his dad faked their deaths. Yeah, that's true. That's also true. Man, I'm learning so much about this series right now. <laughs> But nobody left Rachel. Maybe Rachel comes back somewhere? Has Rachel been anywhere and has to go back? All right. So this is book 48 out yeah. of 54. Right. So ask yourself the bigger question. In the general mythology of Animorphs, what character or race or whomever that could return might return with dramatic consequence? You know, now that I'm in the same shoes as Tim, having never yeah, read the next book, I'm, I'm like, man, this is awful. <laughs> I know. I don't know of anybody that, like, would return. Like, I'm trying to think of people who have, like, been characters before. There's at least three characters that are going to return. Three? Mm-hmm. All in the same book? Nope. Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Tim, we're going to Mad Lib it. Okay, alright. I need a proper noun. Rachel. Okay. Now I need a noun. Bookcase. I need a verb. Jumps. I need an adjective. Wistfully. That's an adverb. I'm going to take wistful. I need a verb. Rotates. And I need a proper noun. Alex. All right. Here is Tim's prediction for book 48. Rachel is back and she wants a bookcase. With his new evil with her new evil companions, she sets out to jump the Animorphs. As if one wistful enemy isn't enough, an even darker force rotates onto the scene. Now the Animorphs won't only have to battle Alex, they will or won't only have to battle Rachel, they will have to reckon with Alex himself. Okay, so they're building like an Animorphs Legion of Doom. So maybe this is where Visser 1 meets Cryak? You did maybe? get one proper noun right there. <laughs> in my last sentence or in the Mad Lib? No, definitely not in the Mad Lib. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm betting that was the wrong place for no. Rachel. No, you got the right word. It was bookcase. <laughs> Man, if Alex was the correct answer, like, that'd be wild, though. I know. <laughs> this has been his long game all along. Yeah. Would awesome. you like to hear the actual description for the next book? Yes, I would. I'm going to have to stop after the first word. David. Now, hold on. Is back and he wants revenge. Oh, no. 
What does he just like scurry across somebody's foot or something? With his new evil companions, he sets out to destroy the Animorphs. <laughs> As if one deadly enemy isn't enough, an even darker force emerges onto the scene. Now, the Animorphs won't only have to battle David, they will have to reckon with Alex, I mean, the Krayak himself. <laughs> so, David and the Krayak. So, he cannot be a rat. He won't be a soggy rodent forever. No, he can give him his morphing powers back. He can make him a boy again. Not oh, a real boy. Shit. Okay, I did not think David was going to come back. We know. We've been asking <laughs> you since he first disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I figured at some point, Meg and me randomly going, do you think David will come back? <laughs> Would have changed your answer, but I I tell you what, props for sticking to your gut. I keep thinking y'all are trying to trick me on stuff. Y'all are trying to get me to say something dumb. Do you think they're clever enough to come up with red herrings for a series that already exists? Uh, red herring yes. that would defeat me? Yes. <laughs> and Tim says, so I can clearly not choose the wine in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, I really want to read the next book. I want to know what happens when David comes back. I want to know what love is. And he's got a legion of doom with him. Yeah, well, he needed all the help to assemble the Ikea furniture. You know, rat paws and everything. <laughs> now I'm trying to figure out, like, who could this Legion be that he's got with him? Is there, like, some evil version of the Chi at this point or something? No, it's him and the Kryak and the Drode, right? Didn't say anything about the Drode. The Drode is this Kryak's right-hand man. Mm. He's the Alexander Hamilton to the Drode's George Washington, or to the Kryak's George Washington. And he's not throwing away his shot. He is not throwing away his shot. So don't forget to check our Twitter and enter to win our contest. The grand prize is a signed copy of the Animorphs graphic novel and a hand sewn and light. Knitted. Knitted. I don't know. Crocheted, guys. Crocheted. Damn it. Crocheted. I didn't even know that there was a difference. Um, oh, no. Yeah, you can do I'm... shapes in crochet. Frankly, it was dumb of me to say knit. Is it? Is that the difference? One of them. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know these things. Do you think the Elemist knits or crochets his giant tapestry thing? He nick lachets. No, so it's 98 bad. degrees in there? No, that's so bad. But only six degrees of separation. Such so Kevin Bacon standing in the corner. All right. Uh, thank you, Ian, for being on our show today. Welcome. Oh, where can people find you again? Yeah, so uh, I'm mostly active on Twitter. Uh, I'm Ian R. Buck over there. And uh, if you like my voice and you want to hear more of it, uh, I do The Extra Dimension is my main show. And then I also do Second Opinion Reviews. Cool. Also a staple of our Jackbox night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the Discord server. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to thank Red Spinks for our show art. You can check out more of their work by supporting their Patreon or visiting Chaos Does Art on Instagram. If you're interested in getting some cool art, email red at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com. Peep our social meds at Minds at Yerk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at mindsatyurk at gmail.com. Website is mindsatyurk.com. I'm not telling you how to spell yerk. Y-E-E-R-K. If you like us and want to help us out, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts, available on your podcatcher of choice. 
Let us know if you can't find us there. Alex? Somebody say when. When? I was still calm. I've been Tim. My name was Alex. I'm Megan. In the past, I was known as Ian. And until then, we fight. people die here.